0: Photo Shelter presents Vision Slightly Blurred. I'm Alan Murabayashi.
1: And I'm Sarah Jacobs.
0: Sarah, we both had busy weeks in the photo world. Uh, you had a gig, I had a gig. How did it go for you?
1: Oh, it went so well. I had a studio shoot and it was so nice to be back on set with a crew working together to make really nice photographs. Yeah. How about yeah. your? Yeah, how about yours?
0: I actually had to travel to California to shoot a concert. Um, and uh, I haven't done one of those in a long time. So I, yeah. I pinged our good friend and Nikon ambassador, Tato Young, to get some tips because he shot at the Hollywood Bowl before, which was uh, where I was shooting. And uh, fortunately, everything worked out. So feeling pretty good.
1: Good. Feeling pretty
0: good. It's good to take pictures. <laughs> Back at the end of June, Instagram CEO Adam Moseri posted a video and said, At Instagram, we're always trying to build new features that help you get the most out of your experience. Right now, we're focused on four key areas, creators, video, shopping, and messaging. He went further to say, we're no longer a photo sharing app or a square photo sharing app. And even though this news is a few months old, we wanted to talk about the implications for photographers today. Now that we've had a few months to digest this news, what was your impression upon hearing this?
1: Well, yeah, I saw a lot of photography banter on Twitter about this. And really, what I don't understand is like why he had to specifically call out like the square crop photo (laughs) aspect of Instagram. Like so many of Instagram's users still use that functionality within the app, it still exists, and they still get a lot of engagement with still photographs. So I'm very confused about why, in, in a way, they're trying to kind of vocalize that they want to abandon a large portion of their users. I don't get it.
0: You know, when I read the headline, and I hadn't watched the video yet, I think the visceral reaction was the same that a lot of people had. Like, oh, my God, they're abandoning photographers. Uh, it's it's just going to be TikTok from now on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he says in this video, which we'll post on our blog at blog.photoshelter.com, he says in their research, Masseri said the number one people use Instagram is to be entertained. So it's not to look at photos. It's to be entertained. So that 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 was an interesting data point. When this news came out, I started to see posts on social media, Facebook and Twitter, people with, uh, you know, what what I consider to be sort of faux outrage. Um, I haven't really seen any mass migration away from Instagram in the past two months.
1: Mm -mm. Uh,
0: Certainly with like some of the big photographer names, haven't seen any of that. It's still a marketing mechanism for some photographers. It's still a networking platform for other photographers, it's still a portfolio for others. It's still behind-the-scenes images for others. So people will continue to use it in the way that they had been prior to the announcement.
1: Yeah, and they're still getting engagement with their followers. So I think it's no reason to leave the app just because he said this. I'm confused why he said it. And we'll see. He did say that these changes are going to be kind of a slow progression. Right. So we'll see if it shifts. But at the moment, I don't believe it has.
0: I was kind of curious. I went back uh, and looked at some of the Instagram history because the app's been around for about a decade. And the original splash page of the app that sort of preceded Instagram that was created by Kevin Sistram was called Bourbon, B-U-R-B-N. And on their homepage, it said, Bourbon is a new way to communicate and share in the real world. So that was in March of 2010. And then the next year uh, in a piece uh, on TechCrunch, Systrom said, quote, Instagram has an underlying ambition to change the way we see the world to connect people from all over the world and enable people to tell their story through a rich visual dialogue. Our new capital will allow us to scale. This was after they raised some money. Our new capital will allow us to scale to the opportunity at hand across platforms, both on mobile and the web. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think it, Even 10 years ago, they imagined themselves to be more than just a photo sharing app. You know, the implication that this was going to be some sort of uh, social network that was visually based was kind of present in their DNA from the start. Mm. They had an investor by the name of Josh Kushner. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because it's Jared Kushner's brother. Uh, He had planned, he told Forbes in May of 2012 that he had planned to help build Instagram into a massive social network. Hmm. So it's just very interesting, you know, uh, for Mosseri to come out and say, it's no longer a photo sharing app. I don't think anybody was surprised given all of the features that they had added and a lot of features that didn't necessarily make sense together. Instagram stories, we kind of understood, but then Reels and IGTV, I still don't really understand how those fit into the ecosystem. So hopefully some of that will be clarified, but I just don't see a reason for photographers to really leave the platform, even though some new alternatives have emerged.
1: Yeah, I I do feel like uh, that Instagram is kind of becoming like a giant mall. And, <laughs> yeah. and and that can come in like the actual products that are available to buy from individual creators and artists that are making really cool stuff to vintage shops. And then, of course, also to the services. And that kind of goes back to photographers as well as like we are on there selling a service and marketing ourselves potentially, if that's how you utilize Instagram. And so every time I log on, I, yeah, I just kind of feel like I'm going to the mall.
0: Mm. Interesting. Uh, Have you ever purchased anything through Instagram?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, Oh, really? (laughs) Well, yes. Um, Let's see. I think the citizenry, like, threw an ad in my feed, and I, I bought something from them. That was probably back in, like, 2015, so six years ago now. Oh, wow. It's pretty overwhelming to think how long I've had that app on my cell phone um, and that I have been engaged with it. I think my first post was 2011 or 2012. How about you?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I was on there pretty early, so so I would agree that I've probably been on there close to 10 years. Um, yeah. I've bought a few things off of it, but it always seems a little strange to me, and maybe that's just kind of my old age. But, you know, I often want to see bigger photos of the things that I'm buying, Mm. And I often want to do a little bit more re- research on things that I'm buying first. So mm, Yeah, it's still yeah, a jarring that- experience for me to to buy through Instagram versus even a more dedicated mobile site. So we'll we'll see, but there's an app that we came across.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, all this talk of Instagram and them, you know, announcing we're not really for photographers, even though there was no mass exodus, I think it did cause a lot of conversation between photographers to just kind of commiserate in that we don't like Instagram anymore. You know, it doesn't feel like it's for us. I miss the old Flickr days etc but there is a new app specifically made for photographers and it's called glass and the difference is, is that it's a subscription-based photo sharing app um, and it actually you have to pay so five dollars a month or fifty dollars a year um, it launched just earlier this month and the tagline is your photography is the point
0: uh, some of the founders, Tom Watson, who was a Facebook and Pinterest product designer, and Stefan Borsche. Um, and Tom told Ohm.co, Ohm.co, quote, For example, currently we don't have likes. If and when we launch a feature in that vein, it'll be private. We've intentionally avoided any public counts. We don't want glass to ever become a popularity contest. We're not a home for influencers. We are a home for photographers. So Mm. I signed up for for Glass. Okay. Uh, I went through the process of, uh, you know, the intake process to set up your profile and start following some people. And it felt like I was in a time warp,
1: Mm. to be honest. Really? Because
0: it really reminded me of, like, the first Flickr mobile app or 500px. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder, because we've become so accustomed to The news feed and the algorithms that this notion of just a photo app feels very antiquated. Mm -hmm. You know, we have Apple Photos and Google Photos that works really well at the consumer level for sharing photos with specific friends and family. And I wonder whether we need sort of a virtual photo, a virtual friend photo sharing app like Glass. Mhm. You know.
1: Yeah, I a couple things on that. I feel like one of the main appeals of Instagram is that you are showing work to people other than photographers and that, you know, when you get likes from your friends and your family, that can be nice. When you get likes from strangers or other people in different industries that are seeing your work, that can be a, a very real appeal to get back on the app and to continue to post. Mm-hmm. Another thing with like starting a whole new social media a- account, it's, I mean, the idea of building a new audience just seems exhausting, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, for those that have been, you know, on these apps for 10 plus years or however long. So that, that part, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm tired just thinking about <laughs> trying to get more followers.
0: <laughs> totally agree with that. You know, going back to what Adam Mosseri said, which is that people are going to Instagram to be entertained. And I wonder if there is a audience that's large enough that isn't looking to be entertained, but is looking for great photography. I just wonder whether there's an audience large enough that wants to pay for that. You know, we've all made a deal with the devil, you know, that they collect all of this personal information on us, They know how long we're looking at the videos, which, which videos we're looking at, so that they can sell us ads or sell our data. Um, and is that something that as a society we've just accepted and therefore the notion of paying for a subscription? Like, is anyone really going to do that for a photo app? The other thing that strikes me is, you know, the popularity of Instagram, they, they signed up like 100,000 people in the first week. And they were at a million users within like the first month or two. So there was this incredible growth curve, which is similar to what, what Facebook had when they kind of opened the floodgates. And that made the network effect, the value of the of these social networks was very, very high because everybody you knew or people that you respected or people that you wanted to follow were already on the apps. When I signed into Glass, I couldn't find anyone. Oh. Now, part of that was because I didn't want to share all my contacts uh-huh. But even when I was sort of searching specifically for people by name, I couldn't really find that many people that I knew.:
1: Oh, interesting. And the
0: search right now is is pretty primitive. It's only going to search the the profile names or the actual names. So I couldn't find, for example, photographers in Hawaii by just typing in Hawaii. Mm. So the discovery mechanism, and you know that would be the last thing that you'd put into your you know, your MVP or your minimum viable product. So I totally understand that from a, you know, they're a small company that's making these feature design choices. But I just wonder what the expectation of people who are paying will have when they when they launch this thing for the first time. Uh, I wish them all the luck. I just don't know whether the appetite is there uh, for yeah. the figuring out. app.
1: I I think like one potential way to get photographers onto the app is really for glass to like market to people with hiring power, like art producers, photo editors, art directors, and curators, you know, and allow them free access to the app. Um, so that it's like, here is a talent finding app for you. But what you're saying about the discoverability that would really need to be, elevated and worked on before you invite those people onto the platform.
0: So in thinking about the way that TikTok works and Mosseri's comment about people just want to be entertained and looking at YouTube and all of these other, you know, social media apps that have, that have, that have come and gone, I can't help but think that all of these apps revert back to this America's Funniest Home Video uh, (laughs) feeling Because even now when I'm watching these sort of memeified things like the Milk Crate Challenge, for example, it's like disaster porn in a lot of cases, you know? And it just really reminds me of America's Funniest Home videos. And it's it's just so weird to think that all these really are doing are curating a set of, you know, 30 second to one minute clips, which is something we had on ABC twenty five years ago. Right. It's like the lowest common denominator, have a chuckle, nothing's too deep, and then move on with your day. But the difference is that they can really, really target you with the algorithm and collect all this personal information. So I I guess they're really figuring out human beings are pretty shallow at the end of the day.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. I'm glad you brought up the milk crate challenge.
0: Guys, don't do the milk crate (laughs) challenge. It's bad for your joints, especially if you're older. Yeah, definitely. I will not be trying that. Caitlin from her office came across a GQ-style cover about the photographer and skateboarder Ed Templeton, who was hired by the magazine to shoot the actor Jonah Hill. If you're not familiar with Ed Templeton, he was actually inducted into the Skateboard Hall of Fame in 2016. He's the founder of a skateboard company, Toy Machine, and he's a pretty accomplished photographer. You can find him on Instagram, ed.templeton. I was going through his Instagram feed I was having trouble identifying a visual style because it Mm. seemed all kind of frenetic.
1: It is, yeah.
0: But after I read the interview, I had a much better appreciation for his point of view. So he says in this GQ piece, quote, four years after I turned pro is when it kind of hit me. He says, look at this life you get to live. You get to travel the world and get paid to do what you love. It kind of coincided with seeing Larry Clark's teenage lust for the first time and in, in Nan Golden's book, The Ballad of Sexual Dependency. It made me realize I'm living a life that's kind of interesting. I feel a responsibility to document it. Mm. So that was cool because he had this yeah. kind of alternative life and he was, you know, making a full-time living as a skateboarder. And then more specifically to his photography, he says, yeah, there are two schools of, in photography, I guess the traditional ways that you make your photograph and that's it. You don't mess with it outside of, you know, normal, quote, normal toning. But I've always been a big fan of people who did more with their photography. Artists like Jim Goldberg, David Hockney, spent the whole 80s doing photo collages. And his work for GQ with Jonah Hill is composited and drawn on. And there is this kind of, Cool frenetic energy to the photos that is unlike the more polished, uh, photos that you typically see out of GQ because GQ hires great photographers. And I, I actually kind of liked this particular set of photos.
1: Yeah, I did too. I think, you know, there is such an art to pairing the right photographer with a subject. And I really think that this shoot for GQ, they nailed it. Totally. Having Ed and Jonah together, you can just tell that they get one another. I mean, if you saw, did you see Jonah Hill's mid-90s movie? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All about skating. You know, they, they understand each other on a level that... Um, is important when you're trying to get somebody to show their personality, and I think he nailed it.
0: Uh, to your point, you know, normally the the talent doesn't know who the photographer is, right? With well, right. With few exceptions, but in this case, because Jonah was into skating as a kid, he actually knew who Ed Templeton was, and I See, think that, is that so yeah, cool. that rapport was like it's obvious in the in the comfortability. In the comfortability that jonah has and that you it's conveyed in the images i think
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: it's definitely a, a spread worth checking out we'll have that link and all the other links that we talk about on our blog at blog.photoshelter.com
1: you know alan the 70s are having a really strong comeback if you have listened to Dua lipa's album <laughs> if you've listened to doja cat I love doja. yes me too if you saw the bee gees documentary on hbo you can see that the 70s are having a moment. And there is a new book called Snapshots 1971 to 1977 by Michael Lessie. Um, He is a professor of literary journalism at Hampshire College in Amherst, Massachusetts. And most of the images in the book were found by Michael and one of his friends in a dumpster behind a photo processing plant in San Francisco. Wow! What a treasure <laughs> trove
0: to go through. So it turns out that his friend worked as a courier for this photo processing plant, picking up film and delivering snapshots to and from the drugstore. And according to Lessie, the people at the the plant were so busy doing their jobs that they didn't notice that this friend of Lessie was rummaging through the dumpster <laughs> for, I guess, old negatives or you know, double prints that were. That, that weren't quite printed properly and didn't meet the quality standards or whatever. They gathered tens of thousands of images and Leslie kept them. Wow. And, and then threw together this book. So I was going through some of these images and it really reminded me uh, of Thomas Sovan's Beijing silver mine. Sauvon lives in Beijing or did live in Beijing and he would go to recycling plants and find garbage bags filled with negatives. Mm. And he would just buy them by the pound and then go through them and then print the ones that were interesting. And it's this fascinating slice of Chinese life from like the 80s and 90s. It has a very, very similar feel. Obviously, you know, there's, there's differences between the countries, but there's, there's kind of a pace to life that, that seems pretty universal to, you know, to the human condition. Mm. It really gave me the same vibe.
1: Totally. Um, It reminds me as well of the TikTok that we talked about earlier this year called Museum of Lost Memories. Um, And, you know, in that one, they're finding old vintage photo books or VHS tapes at thrift stores and then posting them onto TikTok, you know, being like, can you help us find these people? (laughs) And I do wonder about like, well, maybe those people don't want to be found. And so it, it brings it up for this book as well. I wonder what the people within this book, how they might feel about being published.
0: You know, in the United States, when you click the shutter on an image, you hold the copyright for that image for 70 years in most cases, unless it's a work for hire. But, you know, if you're if you're doing vernacular photography, you know, of your family and whatnot, you hold the copyright for 70 years. It's mm-hmm. only been 40 years, 50 years since the 70s. Oof. So I do think, you know, I would be concerned about the copyright. And, mm-hmm. and I think to your point, sort of the ethical implications of publishing this work. Now, in the few images that were on the publisher's site, you know, I'm looking at the images, it's definitely voyeuristic because you're seeing into people's homes, you're seeing like, celebrations or you know just people hanging out um it doesn't feel particularly creepy although there's a few images where i'm like i wonder if the people really want that image out there just because you (laughs) can speculate you know there's a guy there's one photo of a guy in a full leg cast and he's drinking with a buddy and his buddy has his arm around him and you could speculate a hundred different ways to f- to figure out what that relationship is. I mean, maybe maybe they're brothers, maybe they're lovers, maybe it doesn't matter, but they don't want that photo out there.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, some of these uh, outtakes that were thrown out, you know, they're not the most flattering, right? No. Like that's the whole reason that the family might not have kept them or the printer didn't print them. Um, so seeing, you know, seeing your family outtakes, the specific ones <laughs> where, that where you're just like blinking or you know, whatever, you're making a non, a non-smiley face, you know, there could be some feelings involved with,
0: with that. There does seem to be something about the fact that the images are 40 years old that mm-hmm. make them feel slightly less invasive. Mm-hmm. You know, if I published photos that I found that were taken last week of you know, people partying in their homes, that would feel like a real privacy invasion. Sure. Know, some, something about time that seems to make it okay, but mm. I don't know. I, I'm still curious, you know, that, that the publisher went forward with these images and that there's no statement about copyright. And, you know, the, the there was a piece in the Washington Post about this, that the reporter didn't raise that as an issue. Mm-hmm. It makes me a little bit curious
1: yeah yeah no valid very valid
0: <laughs> but they're cool images you know in the meantime I love I love all these found photo things that we that we come across and we've talked about them sort of ad nauseum you know over the past couple of years yeah there there is just a slice of history that that's fascinating I think from a sociological and slightly voyeuristic point of view so I'm glad that this stuff keeps being found I just wonder you know, probably more so in the past few months about the sensitivity around who these people are and whether they really wanted their images included in a book in 2021. Right. Well, all of the stories that we talked about today and all the links that we talked about, you can find on our blog at blog.photoshelter.com. Thanks for listening. Since you're here, hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating. You can always tweet at us at Photoshelter. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. PhotoShelter is the online leader for photography websites and workflow tools. Archive, distribute, and sell your photos in a mobile-friendly, responsive website. Try one free for 14 days at PhotoShelter.com slash podcast. Then download one of our free educational guides at PhotoShelter.com slash resources.